0: Hi, everybody. This is Anna, and I'm joined with my lovely co hosts here, Larry and Tripp. How are you guys doing today?
1: I'm a little tired, to be honest. I was oh, up don't until. Keep it. No, believe me, I was up until Where? like 2.15, and then I had to be up at like.
0: Me, 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 me.
1: I had to be up super early to help my son with remote school, but mm-hmm. I'd been up late putting together my standing desk that because of oh, all the supply chain issues, baby. I know it's like the one, like Rough. this is my poor work-life separation. It's set up in my bed, in my bedroom. Right. We're already, of course. you know, exactly. This we're already is not planning. Basement. A- <laughs> yes. I'm out of or the basement. Garage. I'm out of the garage. <laughs> I'm out of the closet. Like last week we were, I was trying to be in a closet because I could not find a quiet place in the house. Finally, it's in the bedroom. That's true. That's it's true. built out. Uh, but the thankfully chain, your
2: bedroom's quiet.
1: Yeah, but the, all, the, all the COVID di- supply chain disruptions have caused it, like it, it, what should have been immediately available took like six weeks. This is
0: brutal transition for me, Trip. because with that being said, we have a special <laughs> guest <laughs> named Jenny Lacks, <laughs> who doesn't have supply chain issues at all. But she is the run, uh, owner and person that runs a very large uh, Facebook community full of digital nomad girls. Uh, welcome, Jenny.
3: Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And you know what, I can relate to the supply chain issues because we moved house and Ikea was very much backlogged and no standing desks there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a problem.
1: I mean, I heard they had to resort to actually having like normal sounding names. It was so bad.
3: No, it's not no. that bad. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they ran out of of, of fake Swedish names. Cool, cool names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't
0: know well, what I, uh, I I, feel like Jenny is such a great guest uh, for, for today's times because you started your um, group o- over five years ago. And I think uh, not to go too, too deep into your own backstory, but basically you had a, a shift from being, you know, a Ph.D. chemist student. Uh, and graduate, and and then became becoming a, a digital person where borders don't affect you. So uh, can mm. you give us a little intro into how you started this this almost, uh, remote and digital life?
2: It's almost like her own Breaking Bad story.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, almost as cool, yeah. <laughs> not quite as terrifying. Um, <laughs>
2: thank goodness! Thank goodness! Yeah,
3: yeah! Thank goodness! Which is funny though, because as I'm a chemist, when I first started wanting to work online or travel and work, a lot of people said, hey, why don't you do like Breaking Bad? You know, so no, that's, <laughs> exactly. that, was, that was not the approach I was going to take. But yeah, I'm, I'm a chemist. Um, I studied chemistry for nearly 10 years. I got my PhD in 2013. And a month later, I left the UK, um, never to be seen in a lab again. And yeah, I went traveling, I went backpacking, just, you know, with a lonely planet and no Wi-Fi, that kind of type of traveling, um, which now seems crazy. But um, after a couple of years of that, I realized I didn't want to stop traveling and I wanted to continue and I didn't know how because obviously I needed to make money and um, I had done like the working holiday thing and all that. But that wasn't really sustainable because I was also too old. You can only do that until you're about 30. And then, then that path is kind of Yeah, at the end. So um, I found out about digital nomads and people working online. And I thought, hey, that sounds fun. And the whole time I have actually been traveling with my boyfriend as well, who's also a former scientist. And we just thought, well, we were in Australia at the time and thought, well, we either can go home and try to get a job or we can go to Thailand and figure out how to work online. And that seemed like more fun. So that is how we did it. And it sounds really kind of blasé, but honestly, there wasn't crazy much more thought that went into it at the time, which is not necessarily what I would recommend to people doing it now. But yeah, I I just, I just really wanted to figure this out. And this was five, yeah, five, six years ago. So there wasn't really that much information about the digital world, working remotely, living abroad, all of that stuff. I feel like now there's so much more out there that is helpful. But yeah, we had to kind of muddle through and figure it out. And what came out of that was me starting a Facebook group because I honestly had so many questions myself. And I loved Facebook groups for traveling. It's great to connect with people in different locations and ask questions and find like really good insider tips. So I thought, hey, I want to start that as well. I looked for one. I wanted to join one. And there wasn't one. There wasn't one for women. There were some big digital nomad groups, but none for women. And I really wanted to have one for women because well we can talk about that maybe but yeah it was it was I thought I saw like there was there was a gap there was something missing there
1: so you said something there that I found resonated somewhat with some decisions I've made my pastors like well it sounds like it would be really super complicated and intimidating and I think one of those things for this kind of a choice is true is that it can be intimidating but it's actually not that complicated Like sometimes when you make a big decision like this, it's really, it's pretty simple. It's like, do I choose this and, you know, choose safety or do I choose not safety, life without a net, but kind of, I'm going to figure it out. There is ambiguity in that. And I think that's the, that's, it's funny because as, as the people are starting to talk about when we go back to work, actually there are the majority of Pew just came out, Pew research just came out with a big study that the majority of people don't want to go back to work or they want a, what much more of a hybrid, like only 11% of people said that they never want to work from home or would, would rarely want to work from home. And so I think like that choice at a social level is kind of looking at us. So you're, you're, you're in this position to have, you've made that choice. You've made that tough thing. You've worked through the ambiguity. Um, is that, is, i mean does that resonate at all with you or is it because it just seems pretty straightforward
3: yeah i think it's interesting because i i have met so many people over the years who said oh my god i want to do that as well i wish i could do that and i think obviously the sea lot has changed and and the boundaries have changed and the you know the barriers have come down for the entry level for remote work has completely shifted like the whole conversation has just shifted like that, um, but I do think often it comes down to how risk averse people are, and there are a lot of people who just they can't imagine doing something that is so outside the norm. Which which it was then, you know. I didn't know anyone who was doing anything like that, and a lot of it does come down to yeah, your your ability to take risks, and and I, I think it, I always joke that it kind of probably helped me that I was always a student. I was always broke, so I didn't really expect to make a ton of money. I didn't have a six figure corporate income that I had to replace when I started working online. My goal was literally to make like a thousand dollars so I could travel in Southeast Asia where I was at the time, you know, that we were traveling on a shoestring budget, like twenty five bucks a day, stuff like that. So it it was it was an easier entry because I I didn't have any of these big safety nets or the, the big stability or the big corporate paycheck behind me. So I think maybe if I had had that, it would have felt riskier than it did at the time. Yeah. And That's um, actually made, a good point. Yeah, yeah,
0: you made an interesting point that like people think it costs so much money to just survive on, uh, on out out there in the in the world. But, you know, you literally just said less than $1,000 is all you wanted to make just to function in Asia. So if you are somebody who makes that much money or a six-figure job, the transition to me would be almost like a no-brainer. I mean, obviously, if you have kids, et cetera, you have to kind of up that budget a little bit yeah. more. But, it, I mean, it's so easy to take a bit of that savings and survive for years in Asia.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people also really overestimate how much it costs to live abroad because the only way they have ever traveled was on a one or two week holiday where you splurge, right? You go for the nicest right. hotel right. and you go for the better accommodation and the bigger, better tra- transport. But when you're living abroad long term, you don't travel like that and your costs are very different than what people expect. Like we now, because of lockdown and the pandemic, we set up a home base in the UK and holy crap, is that expensive? You know, the furniture you have to buy and all of the things you need to just live in one place that I never had to worry about. It's, it's I think point. it's a big perception thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I remember I was super influenced by It's an old book. It's called Your Money, or Your Life that came out, wow, I think it, originally in the 60s. Like, it, and there's been reprints, but- They talked about this concept of freedom, which is a lot of what you're describing is this incredible freedom. And I think a lot of people, I know at least in America, think of, well, to have freedom, I have to have extreme wealth. So first, I have to get a whole lot of money and become a multimillionaire. Then I can buy my freedom and then I'll have freedom. And this book really opened my eyes and I was young. So I'm glad it kind of stuck with me throughout my career. It's like, well, there's two ways to achieve freedom, you know, to make more money to be able to purchase kind of your freedom and your and your time and to spend less money. So those lines converge at some point where you decide where they converge. If your spending habits are outrageous, then you're going to have to become a billionaire to be free at some point. But if your spending habits are really low and you said, I'm just going to spend as little as I can and not invest in all these material goods and all this material wealth, that way I don't have to make that much. But what I end up having is my time back, my freedom. So it's a different way to approach it. And I think, I don't know, I tried the other way for a few years. I didn't become a billionaire, so I tried the other this well, new approach and
1: it works a lot better. And sadly, I think Tony Say is a good example of somebody of like that money didn't make you free. Uh, and it's 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 one thing, I grew up in a big military family. My mom was one of 12 kids. They moved around constantly. And we moved a lot when I was a kid and I've moved a lot as an adult. And my wife and I were talking about this because she grew up in one place. She grew up in one house until she graduated college. And then she met me and I ruined her life. Um, just moving her around. But in it, so, it, many it, yeah. so many ways. So many ways. That's a different <laughs> podcast, Larry. But, but I think um, we were kind of talking about like the stress because we just recently moved and set up a new house and, and, and that sort of thing. And I'm like, I just want to blitz it. My brother who lives nearby was like, why don't I come over and just help you blitz it? And my wife wants all the things right. She gets paralyzed sometimes by the decision about to buy this thing or that thing and conflict over cost versus what she really wants. And I think a lot of the research in psychology talks about these satisficers versus perfectionism, like creating these noble impediments and making choices about where you don't want to make a compromise and where you're like, I'm willing to totally make a compromise on curtains, not so much on my computer. Uh, because that's my life, like that's my livelihood.
2: Yeah. I was just going to say one of the most important decisions you can make is who you spend your life with. You know, who is it you're going to travel the world with? And if you don't agree on lifestyle choices and how you're going to spend your time, it's going to be a rough life. And it sounds like your boyfriend has a similar kind of mentality to living in being a little more, you know, thrifty and the minimalism, and being able to travel—is that right?
3: Yeah, we've been quite lucky. We've been together ten years, and we've we've noticed at many points in our relationship we could have wanted to go in different directions. And thankfully, like I wanted to go traveling, he was like, "Well, I've got nothing better to do. I'm going to come along because I don't want to stay in science either." And then at the point where I said, well, I'm I'm not ready to go home. He's like, no, me neither. There isn't really anything waiting there. Let's try this out. So yeah, we have been very lucky that we've kind of wanted the same things. Career-wise, it's a little bit different. I have my own business. He's freelancing still, and I think he does want to change that. But overall, yes. And what you just said about, you know, the money and the expectations and, and what is important and the priorities, I think this is such an important conversation to have. Also in in the remote world in the digital nomad world because what i'm what i'm seeing is that a lot of people who who start this lifestyle they 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 do it because it's kind of the opposite of what they're doing and they're not happy they're in the 9 to 5 or 8 to 10 or whatever and they're in a cubicle and they're in that rat race and they want out because they're unhappy so they see the photos of like oh look at me on my laptop on the beach in thailand well that looks perfect so they switch one thing for the next but instead of now chasing material possessions they're now chasing experiences or like oh, the digital nomad yeah. kind of checklist right the well i have to do this and, I, and then and then a lot of the stuff comes in from the online business world oh you have to make a ton of money now so we're kind of switching that one thing for another and having been in this world now a lot i feel like people come out they, they get spat out at the end of that like going well I don't want this but I also don't want that and what do I actually want and I think after that the, the conversation shifts a bit and people start working less and start chasing less of that six-figure lifestyle that they have been sold so that they should be aiming for and it's it's again like just changing your expectations again
0: right I want to kind of uh, take a step back and actually ask you now that you're in the UK but you've traveled all over how is your quality of life different is it better is it worse uh, do you do you envy the the Southeast Asia lifestyle
3: uh, what's happening there Oh what a question I mean take 2020 out of the out of the equation and then maybe that's a bit more fair but you know what for a long time like for a while now I've been wanting to slow down my travels a little bit. And to the concept of a home base has been kind of floating around and we wanted to explore that. So I'm not seeing it as a complete disaster of that well, my travels are over, my life is over. As I have seen a lot of digital nomads actually feel like that this year. Um, I feel like I'm making the best of it. This country also is beautiful. There are great things to be appreciated about being here. So yeah, my, my lifestyle has completely changed. Everything is different. Nothing is the same anymore. Um, but... I think what I have chosen to do and what a lot of my digital nomads friends have chosen to do is see it as another adventure It's different. We didn't choose this kind of sucks, but let's make the best of it. Yeah.
1: Well, that's, I mean, to an extent, I mean, that's the purpose of travel is really the happy accidents or the sort of the, I mean, adventure is the word is actually sort of like something kind of went wrong. and. That, that I think is something, when somebody looks at making this change, it's not, it, it's some of the advice that I give to a lot of the people that I coach, is if you're looking at leaving a job or leaving a life, don't run away from something, run to something, right? Kind of know like really at your values level. It, and from what you've said, it sounds like it's really about going deeper than chasing a different target. Like if you're chasing money, You're not going to be happy if you're chasing experience there's always going to be the next cool thing over the but it's still you that's chasing it right it's not it's not really changing you um but maybe can you go a little bit deeper on what because i think when people say digital nomad they think living in a tent under a bridge with a laptop you know and going to the beach and commuting to the beach and i don't think that's probably (laughs) the reality i mean you mentioned that you actually bought furniture recently like like Tell us a little bit about what that, what the reality is versus the, the, the perception.
3: I love your description of a digital nomad. I've, I've heard many in, in my years, but not this one yet. I like it. Um, yeah, I think when people think of digital nomad, we have this kind of Instagram idea, you know, like the, the, the young twenty-something, probably white, um, person sitting on their laptop at the beach with like a beautiful background, and you know, and. and working in the sun which is completely ridiculous i think for me personally there's so much debate on how oh, are we digital nomads are we location independent what is it doesn't really matter but um it's about it's about being able to choose where you are for me And if that means while I'm in a house in the UK right now with my new furniture, um, then that's okay. But I have the freedom to decide next year, my year doesn't have to look the same and I can go somewhere else. I think for me, that's what that means. And not necessarily, I have to be traveling full time the whole time. Although I have been doing that for the last nearly seven, well, six, seven years, I have been traveling almost full time. We haven't had a home base. We were, you know, we had our stuff first. We had a backpack, then we had a suitcase, but, um, very minimalist and kind of that more traditional, yeah, yeah, we are moving from one place to the next. We're staying a couple of months, maybe six months, maybe two months. Um, whereas now, like I mentioned, we have been kind of gravitating towards a bit of a different way of doing this, slowing down and possibly setting up a home base longer term. Not sure if that's going to happen now after the pandemic, whether we just like want to hit the road again, but yeah, I think it's it's more about choice, and and like you said, it's not just about chasing the next thing and chasing the next trip. Because we found ourselves, I found myself jaded. I'd arrive in a new destination, and this is my comfort zone. You know, I'm I'm comfortable being somewhere I've never been before, where I have no plan, what's going on, who wh- where anything is. Um, but I wasn't appreciating it in the same way anymore. I wasn't excited when I when I first started traveling. I was consuming books I was reading about every destination I went to and like trying to learn as much as possible and I was so excited and I found myself just going okay now we're here now we're in Thailand now we're in Colombia fine and not appreciating it as much as I want to appreciate this because it is a privilege to be able to travel like that and to see the world and it has it has an impact we have a carbon footprint and other things to consider so I want to damn well make sure that I'm actually enjoying it as much as possible if I'm living like that.
2: I think you touched on something that has been impacting everyone this year and that's this concept of geographic freedom and time freedom. So that's happening too, which is two of the biggest benefits I've discovered from working remotely and and especially running your own business is like like you said I can choose where I want to live. It doesn't mean I have to be on the move constantly or living in an, in an RV and traveling the southwest desert with certain people. Um but it also means I don't have to be on a call at 9 a.m. every morning. Then I call with my boss at 10 a.m. And so this whole shift that's been happening, I think, with the pandemic, this shift to remote work and using the tools as they were meant to be used has created this asynchronous type of collaboration and communication, but also a realization that is hitting people in California, which is a really expensive place to live. It's like, wait a second, I don't have to live here anymore. I can actually move away, live somewhere much more affordable and buy back some of my freedom because now it's more affordable. So I think, you know, you are on the forefront and a lot of digital nomads who kind of realize it's like this is really about freedom more than anything else. And it's about choice. I get to choose. If I want to go buy a home and, and live in Romania, I can. But I choose that. My employer does not make that decision for me. So I think that's the the big difference between traditional work that that we've all been many of us have been suffering with for many years is being forced to live in a certain location because of your employer and forced to work certain hours because of the time constraints
1: and now we're breaking free of that i think there's also culture considerations i mean uh you you, jennifer you mentioned that you're in a mixed relationship you're you're an english woman uh partnered with an australian which you know has its own things it's very different cultural values and it, the thing that i love about australians there's some of people i love hanging out with. i have many friends from australia my
3: boyfriend's actually british and i'm german oh. so but oh German.
1: forget what i said because i was like no, where is he getting this entire, yeah no for some reason again trip. We we know, i kind, kind of trip wanted reality. to see where this
3: was going but then i thought maybe I'm yeah no, like, no, this no, is no, fun. no no
1: no 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 yeah no okay Cut. Yeah, no, <laughs> no,
3: I'm I'm German and he's British, so it's yeah, yeah, it, there is yeah. a cultural <laughs> difference yeah. there as well. Close. If there's somebody
1: that's most likely in this podcast to put their foot in their mouth, it's me. Um, so don't, apologies. Don't uh,
0: don't well, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: okay, that was my question, Larry. <laughs> he
2: he loves your British accent, by the way. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah, oh, it was
3: hard work to get that one going.
1: Well, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna <laughs> ask about cult differences in cultural values, right? Mm. So talking about cultural values. Um, You know, in the United States, we tend to put wealth a lot further ahead than many other things. Like, you know, as I was going to say about Australians, you can't walk into a bar or a ski resort or anything, and probably not run into an Australian, Mm. right? Because they they go out and they spread Mm -hmm. out, and they're they're kind of out. And there's this wanderlust. Um, And I don't, I think there's some cultural roots about like in America, it's about like well, you need to go out, you got to go to college, and then you got to get the good job, and then you have to. And I don't think that's a universal. Had, what when you encounter other digital nomads like where do you do you see those biases in place
3: yeah absolutely and i mean i've been i've met a lot of Amer- americans traveling especially in the in the first couple of years of backpacking and ma- met such great friends but yeah there's there's a huge difference and even between I grew my mum's British my dad's German I grew up in Germany and my boyfriend is British and he always lived here but even there within Europe there are cultural differences like in the UK if you're not striving to buy your own house by the time you're ideally 25 or 30 oof that's late that's late on the property ladder then you're doing something wrong whereas in Germany that's not the same it doesn't have the same value it doesn't have the same kind of pressure to do that a lot of people rent and it's not a problem like some people rent many 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 people rent their whole lives and that's not seen as like some kind of huge failure so yeah we're coming from that that's different for sure and yeah i even even within europe and then you go further afield and and it becomes much the the gap comes becomes much bigger
2: who do you find is when you think about your audience so you have a huge group on facebook and you have a a business group you guys do retreats although that's probably put on hold right now who do you find tends to be attracted to your message is it a cultural thing? Is it a mindset thing?
3: Oh, man, that's such an interesting question. I think something that I've noticed is that my message is a little bit different than a lot of the other digital nomad message that is out there. And I think it's, um, I've, I've been called and I kind of like it. I've been called the voice of reason within the digital nomad world, which is weird because I'm, I'm not usually the sensible one. But I think it's because I've been in it for a while. And I know a lot of people who've been in it in a while for a while. And maybe also because I didn't go into it in my early 20s. I was already 30 by the time I left. And maybe that kind of puts it into a different perspective. But it's just, yeah, I I was when I left the UK, I was already unhappy with I already had noticed that materialistic kind of consumerist that wasn't making me happy. You know, the shopping for the shopping's sake, I had already realized that's not making me happy. So I was like, well, I don't want that. So let's go traveling. But I was still on that track of, oh, let's see as many countries as possible. Let's go to many places and tick that off. And eventually I realized, well, that wasn't making me happy either. So I started digging a little bit deeper into that. And and honestly, it started with me thinking, I think I'm doing something wrong. Why am I not Enjoying this as much as I should be, Why am I not as successful as I should be by now? you know when when the message you get is, well, you need to make the six figures and now the message is you need to make the seven figures, and I've even seen the eight figures now going around in the online business world and i and I ask myself, since when is that was that the goal? Was that my has that ever been my goal? no, it it wasn't and and how did they become my goal? Well, it's because it's just a different version of the same that we've been sold at home. You know, you need more and you need, if it's not more shoes and a bigger house you need or a better car, well, then it's more money and you need to create more money and work and work and work. And I think a lot of the people who are attracted to my community, like whether the wider Facebook group, I think that's a bit more, you know, yeah, mixed. But my, my smaller community, the inner circle, which is like my paid community, I think the women who are in there are very much attracted to, not the hustle culture and the more and more money, but, but the actual, you know, a bit more mindful approach. And what is actually the goal here? What are we trying to achieve? What is the lifestyle we want? What is important? What are our values? And it's not just working more and more because we, there was a reason why we wanted to live this lifestyle so we could work less, right? And the question I have been asking myself a lot lately is, why do I know so many digital nomads who have suffered from burnout? And not from their corporate career, but since they've become digital nomads. What is wrong there? That should not be happening if we were doing it the right way, you know? That's right. Yeah, that's right.
2: No, that's a good point. I mean, I I know that my message with my community is much more around balance and being fulfilled. And I often talk about minimalism and things like that. And it's turned some people away. I've, I've had people literally say, but I do want to get rich and wealthy. And I was like, well, then I probably am not the right person to help you with that. <laughs> Plenty of communities that talk about getting rich and fabulously wealthy. But that's, that's not really what I'm about. And so I think when you have a point of view like you're talking about, you're going to turn some people away and that's fine. But you're going to attract the right kind of audience. So,
1: so one of the things that I did sort of earlier in my life, it wasn't really being a digital nomad. I did a a volunteer experience where I spent two years living in, I was part of a volunteer community where uh, one of the tenants was intentional poverty. Uh, we lived very, very simply. Um, and, but it was like intentional poverty, like sort of spiritual wealth. Like you had this richness of experience, this richness of exposure to a different culture. Um, and I think, I think there's a trade off there uh like you you know if you're a digital nomad you really only have as much as you can carry through an airport i would assume i would assume like there's Mm. things that what were some of the hardest things to adjust to
3: Ooh, that's a good question i think the material stuff somehow wasn't quite as hard as i probably would have expected I mean, obviously being away from your family is difficult, but I've also done it for so long that it's not really, I don't struggle with that every day. Um, I think a lot of people you lose connection with when you leave. And actually, one of the things that I find really difficult is returning to places that I've lived, whether that's Munich, which is my hometown, which is a beautiful city, or London, where I lived for five years during my PhD, four years during my PhD. Um, I think what you let go of what you lose is returning to the same place when you leave you realize That's that you true. come back and that place doesn't exist anymore because yeah. your friends have moved away or everything has changed and
2: and you've changed and you've changed right?
3: so much yeah. yeah and the people you used to have connections with there's something missing it doesn't really it's just not the same anymore not everyone but Quite common. And yeah, that was that was a little bit heartbreaking, I think, in the beginning to realize like, oh, I could move back to London now, but that London doesn't exist anymore. And so you kind of you it it yeah. fe- sometimes it feels a little bit like you cut yourself off and you have to keep going because there's no going right. back anymore.
2: What do you do about friendships? I was wondering because mm-hmm. there's been we've been talking with people about this, this sense of isolation especially the more extroverted people are really feeling isolated, missing coworkers and friends and even the introverts. And I'm a hardcore introvert. I am missing some stuff. So I finally am missing seeing people. Um, So when you're a digital nomad or you're living independently outside of the, the norms of the nine to five world, what do you do for friendships? How do you manage those?
3: Well, that's one of my favorite questions. And I am, I'm the opposite. I'm super extroverted. I think the test put me at 96% extroverted. So I am one of those people who I, I get all my energy from being with people. And honestly, today I've been on calls for the last six hours and I have lots of energy left. Like I don't mind at all. Um, And I think that's one of the things where I was a little bit of an advantaged position at the beginning of the pandemic. Like, of course I miss my friends. I haven't seen my parents and my brother for 15 months I haven't seen most of my friends for a year um but I have a lot of strong friendships virtually and I see my friends all the time and honestly my community my business is you no know, I call it a virtual co-working and networking community but for me networking just means making friends and today I we had already had two or three sessions you know where we were just sitting around chatting and I do I'm very lucky that that is a large chunk of my work is to really just connect with women and, and have nice connect, nice chats, and connect them with each other and facilitate um, conversation. But yeah, I I make it's it's my priority, my friendship. Like this year was supposed to be the year where I travelled, where we travelled with our friends. That was our number one priority. Our whole travels had been planned around. Two months in Sicily with this friend and then a month in Bulgaria with all of these friends and then two months in Munich with my, fr- you know, with some friends and then going like every single month was planned. This is where we're going to be hanging out, who we're going to be hanging out with. And that was that couldn't happen anymore. So that's sad. Um, But I talk to my friends all the time on Zoom. I don't get Zoom fatigue, thankfully. But we also don't just chat i have book clubs and we watch movies together and we we do things like we were just crocheting now you know so it's not so much pressure as just looking at each other and talking so we have like a little bit of a theme we've watched all our star wars with another couple you know since the pandemic all all of them so yeah i'm I'm lucky there yeah that's that's
0: one thing i i do want to say about the community the membership group because uh, i am a member of it um And, like, the co-working sessions, uh, it's very active in making virtual time to connect with people. And anybody can come in, pop in uh, into the chat, talk, or or co-work. Um, It's really great to, like, have that social interaction. Um, And there's always events coming, and you have events from, like, the Asian uh, European time zones as well as U.S. time zones. You even empower certain people in your community to just start – host these sessions on their own. So anybody – it's, like, kind of an active 24-7 thing where you can connect and and talk to whoever is online.
3: yeah. Yeah, I'm lucky. Like this this month, you know, it's it's kind of holiday season and most of us can't go home and be with our families and friends. But I'm just like, well, we'll do it virtually. And we set up a system so our, our members can host their own events. So I was just crocheting with someone who had, she was hosting that. And we've got a cookie making session and games nights and Christmas crafting and all sorts going on. So you can
0: yeah, and you guys
3: are even doing like yeah, a secret yeah. Santa. We're doing secret Santa, we have a virtual advent calendar going on, and you I'm can impressed. be creative. You can have fun.
2: You're so social. <laughs> I'm just not nearly as social as I, my f- friends here can tell you.
3: I
1: am, but I, I think it's also. I mean, you said something along. It's almost like finding your emotional tribe, right? It's it's like you're not necessarily thinking about boundaries or physical contact. I, I have. Um, my friends who I can go years without seeing from the volunteers and my wife and I were in the volunteers together. And it's one of the reasons that we married was we knew that, um, our as different as we are, our values are very much aligned. You know, we care about the same things. We have sort of a similar worldview because we've been through that same crucible or that same sort of shared experience. And my friends from that time in my life, I can pick up and connect with them very, very quickly. Um. Whereas your work friends, those are, tend to be, like if you're in the office and then you're kind of friends and maybe that peters out after a year or two, or you were in the same city and you were really close, but then their life moves on. That's a different type of thing. And I think it's about, um, you, can, you can establish almost like that kind of connection a lot quicker, uh, even over a distance. And I've done some of the best networking of my life during the pandemic using things like lunch club and all these things because you meet interesting people and they do a good job of connecting people with similar values and similar interests
3: yeah and i I, one of my members said today she's like i actually prefer connecting making friends virtually it's easier for me i'm introverted i have social anxiety i prefer this. this 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 feels more comfortable but i think what you what you touched upon there with the you know your work colleagues maybe you're not really you know they're nice people, but just as the conversation around remote work is like, if if you can, if you don't need to hire from within the San Francisco city boundaries, but you can hire from around the world, your talent pool opens up, and it's the same for your friendship pool as well. You can meet now friends from anywhere, and where where friendship used to be just based on proximity, right? I go to this school in this postcode, therefore these are my friends, or I go to uni- this university, therefore these are my friends. Um, that's completely changed now. So you really are connecting with people. You share values and you share more than just a postcode.
0: Yeah. So um, as we wrap up, I just want to ask one final question. Uh, have you noticed a difference, I guess, in the community that's entering your Facebook or or the, the private membership um, compared to prior, like pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic? Like what has been the shift, I guess, or... Um, Perhaps like the work differences.
3: Um. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like there was a huge like surge. A lot of people joined at the beginning. Like for a couple of months, we had like a thousand members joining a week or something. It wasn't say or like a, I can't remember exactly, but really like tons and tons of people. Um, and I think the demographic had changed slightly. So there were a lot of young people. Um, and a lot of people from maybe less so America, just America, Europe, because that's kind of the focus, right? Like a lot of people are from the States or from Europe. And I saw people joining from lots of different countries as well, which was interesting. Um, in the inner circle, I think it is um, maybe I also noticed a bit more international members as well. Yes, Um but yeah there's there's a difference there because the Facebook group attracts a lot of people who are not working online yet who really want to work online whereas my um Inner Circle membership that's where the people who are already doing this who want the connections with other people we still have some beginners but the majority of people are already doing it to some extent um so that's that's the difference there
2: Well thank you for making time for us today it's uh it's been a pleasure hearing more about this I've always been interested in a digital nomad lifestyle and uh, some point when our
1: kids are out of the house we will give it a go
3: <laughs> well thank you for having me and there's lots yeah. of digital nomads who travel with kids
1: yeah. um, so if people wanted to find out more about your group and um sort of more about you and where where can they find out more about you where can they connect with you
3: um my website it's digitalnomadgirls.com and um the facebook group also digital nomad girls community so if Will you have some female listeners who would like to join and find out more? Join us there. Um, I also send a weekly newsletter with just like some thoughts around the digital nomad lifestyle. Kind of very much focused on what we talked about. Kind of the more mindful and yeah, kind of gentle approach rather than just like here's how you make a thousand million dollars. But um, yeah, so we and send news out there every Friday as well.
1: And are you on Twitter or
3: no Instagram on Facebook. Well, that just makes you
1: a mentally healthy person. I yeah. mean, I, I assumed it was no. <laughs>
3: I had to. Uh, I had Larry's to say a no. big
1: Twitter fan, but like, he's, I'm I, think he's, I think he's the exception to the rule.
3: A cunt. Yes, <laughs> I have to
1: manage my yeah. mental health very closely yeah. When yeah. I'm on Twitter. Yes,
3: it's, it's Instagram. Yeah, digital nomad girls on Instagram as well.
1: Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. and best of luck in the in your next adventure, whatever that's going to be, uh, and. uh you know, happy and healthy 2021.
3: Thank you. Same to you. Let's all stay healthy. Yep. Thank you so much for having me. So, Anne. You can find us at
0: thebraveworkforce.com. You can also email me at anna at thebraveworkforce.com.
1: Larry, what are some of the uh, people that we have lined up? Um, so, we have
2: Ryan Cooter who's uh, one of the partners at Techstars, and he manages a fund that's all about remote startups, so people who work remotely and hopefully some great remote software that's going to come out of that make our lives better. Um, we also have Amina Moreau, who is the founder of Radius, which is the next Airbnb for office space, which is kind of fascinating because, wow, who went IPO today? Airbnb. So its uh, we have some interesting stuff coming in 2022. 20- 2021 what year is 20, it 21. i've lost you're ahead of yourself 2021. Take, because i'm actually skipping ahead to
1: 2022 <laughs> that's that's when we're all going to have things <laughs> because <back> really <laughs> all we need to do is keep putting one foot in front of the other because better oh, days are ahead Larry. don't I get like don't get too look far ahead you. of yourself
2: just one step at a time <laughs>